Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Glad you're here this morning, and I've got more news than I think I've ever had going into one of these shows, so hopefully we can get it all in. And by news, I mean stuff that you probably haven't heard this week. It's been a, uh, well, a normal week for 2021. I was going to say it's been busy, but that's just the way it is now. Uh, Congress, when it's led by Democrats, is constantly trying to push through things that will be detrimental for the country. And uh, so we like to bring you stories that are good news, too. So let me say this before we get to this one. I will have a guest coming up at the end of this hour named Roy Wells. If you've listened to this show, you've heard him before. He is a philanthropist. He is a businessman. He is a law expert. He is a friend of mine, and we worked in entertainment together for a number of years. We're going to have a discussion about historical precedent for some of the things that we're seeing right now. I have a feeling that's going to be a good conversation, so stick around for that at the end of this hour. But here is the news story that I wanted to get to uh, first, because it has implications beyond what this news story on its surface is. So there's a company that's called Digital World Acquisition Corp., DWAC, It has floated around at $9 a share for a long, long time. But all of a sudden, last week, it shot up to $45 a share. Then it was up. It's been very, very volatile. It was up to $118 a share, $175. It dropped to $80. It dropped to $45. Right now, it's about about $60 something, so it's in the middle. Regardless of what it's sitting at, though, It's way above $9, and that's because DWAC is the company's name that Trump is launching his social media platform under. So obviously, lots of implications for that, just as far as will you get on. It's going to be called Truth, Truth Platform, or something like that. It's not launched yet, um, but the announcement was made this week, and so that's why the stock price shot up. He's a very, very smart businessman. So he could have gotten on Parler. He could have gotten on Getter or Gab or any of the other ones, Rumble, and shared his views. Rumble's more video, but uh, shared his views a long, long time ago and gotten the word out. He's chosen to not do that. Basically, Trump is not on any social media right now. And as you know, at when he was president, even long before he was president, he used social media like crazy, especially Twitter. Well, after they banned the president of the United States from being on those platforms, which they conveniently did after they uh, thought there was no way he was going to be president again. So there was no way that he could retaliate against them or push through any sort of laws through Congress. You know, they waited until he was out of power to do it, even though he was still the president at the time. He has not been vocal 
on any sort of platform other than press releases that he releases through Liz Harrington, basically, his spokesperson. Um, but again, very, very smart man. He decided to, instead of getting on a different platform so that he could be heard quicker, he would take his time. And now he's created this platform called Truth, which you will be able to and I'll be able to get on probably by the end of this year, maybe first quarter of next year. And that could change the dynamic of social media a bit. Will people outside of conservatives get on there? That's the big question. I think people will try to sort of uh, isolate it and make sure that it's not something that has any sort of say in the general marketplace. But we'll see. My prediction is that if he runs again in 2024, people won't be able to avoid it. You know, people love trolling Donald Trump and conservatives. So if he's the candidate, you're going to have a lot of left-leaning people that get on there just to troll it. And that's kind of the idea. That's actually a good thing in this situation because that means it's not just one side screaming into the void. All of that is not even the point of the story. Hey, hey, according to Bloomberg, citing SEC filings, this company, DWAC, Digital World Acquisition Corp., which was $9, and again is sitting in the, we'll say 60 right now, roughly, is valued at about $8.2 billion now. Why is that significant? Well, because Donald Trump owns 58% of that company. Donald Trump right now is worth $2.5 billion. You know that he's a rich businessman. You know that's one of the reasons he can't be bought. He's a rich businessman. He got there through mostly real estate, but he uses the Trump name on anything he can find, board games, stakes, universities, anything he can find. He had put his name on it. That's how he became very wealthy. That's how he became a TV star. That's how he became president. People knew him. And he had money. $2.5 billion is his entire net worth right now. With this added, an additional roughly $4.8 billion goes to Trump. He is tripling, roughly, his net worth. The guy was already incredibly rich. He will be worth around $7 billion after this. So going from two point five to around $7 billion worth. You want a president that can't be bought? How about that? Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Trisha is here in the morning. Thank you so much for uh, being awake and at least trying to laugh with me here super early in the six o'clock hour. I appreciate it. Hey, Ryan. Good morning. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. No, no. Thank you. I appreciate you more than you know because people, well, I shouldn't say people are very much awake at this time because every single person listening right now knows what it's like to be awake at this time. So we're all just commiserating. We're all together in this. We're all together. And this isn't even early for you. Mm-mm. This is the Mark Cox Morning Show. You had to be here at 4.30. I woke up for 10 plus years. Eh, that's not fair. For about 10 years, I woke up at 2.30 a.m. every day. Did you have to be here at 4? 3.30. Man. It's a lot to, a lot, go, as you know, a lot goes into putting a show together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, <clears throat> and especially in talk radio because- 
<clears throat> excuse me. I used to I used to be on the morning show on Joy FM and I it started at six. And so I would walk in at six. <laughs> And that's that's not usual. I don't think that there's a, there's a lot of shows that you can do that. But as you've probably figured out, and if you listen to the show, I improv a lot. I come very prepared. When talk radio, you have to be prepared. You can't come in and just completely wing it, except when you're here and I don't even know what we're talking about right now. But Like we're doing now. No, but like this is now. great. Um, yeah, you are what we would call in the biz as talent as far as like timing goes. So, like producers get here super early, That's get everything. True. Like, well, Mark got here early a. though. He still gets here early. Yeah, it's not like he walked in right at the buzzer. He's unique in the fact that he gets here at four thirty. Because most talent doesn't. Most talent gets here three minutes after their show starts. That's- See. You're making me Most feel good. Of how that's yeah. Because so, I always thought I was kind of like skirting the system. No, that's that's pretty much the system. No, you I are am par the for the course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, good to know. The big question this morning that I wanted to ask before we get to real stuff: Pink Floyd fan or not? Yeah, Pink Floyd's great. But you don't I'm... listen to him anymore. Well, now that it's you're not. not in it's not like I hear Pink Floyd and I'm like, ah, turn it off. But. I, yeah, I don't seek it out, I guess. Okay. Cause but the, yeah, I used to I used to kick it and listen to some Pink Floyd back But you listen to what I would refer to as the mainstream stuff. Yes. Which is, I admit, the best stuff. I'm not saying that, oh, you listen to Dark Side and the Wall. That period of Pink Floyd, Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals. So good. And the Wall is considered their prime years. And I'd assume for a reason. Rightly right? so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely. Although I actually like Animals the best of those four albums, and it's the least popular because they they literally did five songs on one album, and two of them are a minute long, and the other three are like 15 minutes long each, minimum. Sounds about right. So, you know, they just did things basically to, to say F you. Uh, and I love that. That's one of the reasons I love them. But I, we're, this whole morning, we're playing mostly stuff, not entirely, but mostly stuff that's not just before Dark Side of the Moon, which is their kind of more obscure stuff. But I'm playing like the deep cuts, super deep cuts that never, ever made the light of day, even usually on an album. You are welcome, St. Louis. Yes. This is Wiggins America. Yes, exactly. And I wanted to run that by you so that I you could tell approve. me how bad of an idea that was, but you say otherwise. I know. I'm with you. No, it's good. Cool. Good, good. Your time. Stretch your legs. So here's the real stuff. Have you been paying attention to COVID rates nationally, by state, any of it? Have you been paying attention for the last, let's say, two weeks? A little bit. <laughs> Do you know the direction everything's headed? It, the good direction, right? Yeah. Like everything's trending in the right direction. Yes. yes. I'm going to let you continue. I think I know where you're going with this. And it's a good story. Okay. Like a happy story. It, it is. It is. We'll see if you think, if you thought right. Okay. Uh, the headline of this story is, this is from Yahoo News. I like reading the opposition media once in a while. Um, Florida has now, and now has America's lowest COVID rate. Hmm. Imagine that. Does Ron DeSantis deserve credit? Hmm. Question in a headline. What do you think that Yahoo News, what their their conclusion is to that question? Uh, my guess is their conclusion is Ron DeSantis. The numbers are good despite Governor DeSantis' best efforts. Man, you nailed it. Wow. And you know what's funny is in it's this article... Yeah, they, they cite a bunch of, they say, well, here's what Newsmax, a right-wing site, said, which is DeSantis critics in the mainstream media remain quiet as Florida's COVID numbers drop. And then um, 
somebody from the Megyn Kelly show said it's official. Florida currently has the lowest per capita COVID cases among the contiguous 48 states. Uh, look forward to the next batch of DeSantis media coverage that's sure to be coming soon. Well, and then a couple of, like Clay Travis said something about they've done it with all without vask or uh, mask or vaccine mandates and all this stuff. The only news item I've found is this one saying, eventually we'll get to here, no, it's not DeSantis's fault, which is proving all of what this article itself is quoting. Right. I mean, they're proving their own quotes. What, and here's what's inter- not interesting, predictable about our media. I had only seen that headline. I had assumed that's what you were going to bring up yep. because in our wheelhouse, that is proof of what... We've been saying all along that a little bit of freedom goes a long way and that anti like natural immunity and antibodies and and letting people like make choices and things is probably the best way to go. So I read that headline and I thought, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. I did not read the part where they said that despite Governor DeSantis lack of efforts or whatever it is, whatever they're doing to throw him under the bus at the end of that. I didn't read it. I just assumed it was going to happen. And you're saying it's in there, right? Yep. Quote, unquote. But don't congratulate Florida just yet. Right. It's like the third Heaven paragraph. Forbid. Yeah, because it talks about their numbers mm-hmm. and legit. They're they're all super low, lowest in the 48 states. It says, like everything else about America's COVID ordeal, the state's declining infection numbers are being turned into a political talking points. <laughs> Who's doing that? Right. Um, and all about how this is a normal cycle. Florida's a no exception. Cases started rising there in June, dropping there in late August, right on schedule, like all the other ones. Well, the point in saying basically COVID goes through and the Delta variant goes through two month cycles. So within a population, and we break them down by states, but mm-hmm. we, you know, COVID doesn't know that. But we, when we look at a population, Within about two months, you see the rise and then you see the fall, which is really typical of a virus. We mm-hmm. just have tracked this one so much more, like everybody has. I'm sure mm-hmm. virologists always do this, but we're tracking this one publicly all the time. And making decisions and policies and things off of it's yes. cra- it's This is the craziest thing I've ever well, seen. Well, what's amazing to me in this is that f- they're talking about Florida saying, well, Florida's no exception. State started rising there, starts falling about two months later. Um, but the, the end point of everything that they're saying here is that, uh, I'll read the last paragraph. It says, so while it's true that COVID cases come in waves and they go in waves, regardless of what leaders like DeSantis do, the more important question is how their constituents do when those waves inevitably, inevitably arrive. The whole, the whole point of what it's saying is these things come and go. And so you can't give DeSantis mm-hmm. the credit. Well, also you can't give anybody the blame then. Right. And you can't. You can't put any of the politics on any of it. And that's that's exactly what they're saying mm-hmm. is that you can't. Um, I mean, it's it's regardless of what these officials do, the outcome is going to be the same. Yes. So it's frustrating when it's for you and I, when we live in a state like Illinois, where these these restrictions are still hurting businesses and are still pitting citizens against citizens and are still causing all of these all of this unrest and upheaval and detriment to the economy that a study like this shows that it doesn't matter if you're Governor DeSantis or Governor Pritzker, your outcome is going to be the same. So why wouldn't you be a Governor DeSantis and let people live their freaking lives? You summed it up perfectly. Thank you. And that is that is the point that Yahoo writes an entire article about and doesn't get. But everything they're saying proves that point mm-hmm. and points to that point. I mean, they're, they're proving that point without me even trying. But 
they, they, they'll cite data and they'll come to conclusions, but then their conclusions after the conclusions are, so we need to make sure we're, uh, we're covering this thing with as much as possible. But that, that conclusion doesn't match their own findings. Yeah. Their own their findings reportings. and their own reporting that mm-hmm. they're doing, because you're right. You know, it, if it's going to come and go the same way, regardless, then why do anything? And that's back to the beginning of the whole thing where the point was, hey, we can't stop a virus. We can't. Back in March of 2020 and late February, we were seeing this thing. Oh, it's coming. This thing may be coming. We can, we're not going to stop it. Nobody was even suggesting we could stop a virus. But the point was, well, if though we shut everything down just temporarily. We might be able to spread out everybody getting it enough, which in hindsight is so foolish to think that the numbers of people in a 320 million person population, we should just broad shut everything down and that that would keep people from going to the hospital long enough to not overwhelm the hospital system. That was the whole point. And we got way beyond that to where now somebody who actually follows the original plan which is what DeSantis did, and what they were trying to do is basically just like, look, we're not going to stop the virus. We're going to try to make sure that everybody has as much freedom and mobility as we can while also being smart, making sure that our role as the government, which some people would say is even too far for a government at all, but to make sure that they're having all the monoclonal antibodies and making sure that they're as best they can spreading out the effects of the virus so that hospital systems and you know, treatments don't get overwhelmed, vaccine aside. That that point is completely lost now, though, because I you can read an article just like that, which I'm amazed you saw mm-hmm. the same article. And I actually picked it for that reason, because I think a lot of people saw this article. Mm-hmm. It was pretty widely seen. If you go to Yahoo at all, it was like the top story of the day this week <clears throat> and uh, or yesterday. And I just think a lot of people probably read that article and wanted to wanted to fit it into their political agenda us included, but our political agenda, or at least mine, I'm not going to speak for you, mm-hmm. but mine is that why are we trying to make it political? You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you don't put mandates or you don't put ma- even mask, not just vax, but mask mandates in place, then you're actually not making it political. So my argument is not let's make it political and try to win a political argument. My argument is why do we make it political at all? Yeah. Why do we get the government involved at all? No, I'm with you. And that becomes a political argument because then you're on the side of basically like libertarian, hands off, don't tread on me, which becomes political. But ultimately, me and anybody listening who kind of agrees with that, it sounds like you included, we actually don't want this to be political. Right. I, I, yeah, I would love if we had not politicized it to this point. But like you said, I saw that headline and I thought, wow, this this is like that confirmation bias I talk I, is something that I think about a lot, especially given what we do. I thought, yeah, I knew that, like saw that coming. But at the end of the day, when you break down what that article actually says, it says we can't control this thing. It's not political. Joke's on everybody. Yeah. So yeah. personally, in my opinion, I take that to mean let's not try to. Yeah. Yes. So Exactly. It just depresses me that that article goes out. And, you know, you hope that most of the people reading it would come to the same conclusion that you and I are talking about right now. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if they are. Probably a lot of people do. But I don't know that if you're really scared of COVID or if you're hook, line and sinker on MSNBC, you're not going to read that and come to the same conclusions as we are. 
Does it seem like there are people, does it seem like for there's a shift in the like group of people that are really scared of COVID? Because I'm not, at least in my personal life, I'm not encountering these people as much anymore. <clears throat> you think that it's getting better? Yes. Do you think the vaccine did that? Mm-hmm. Or at least the idea of the vaccine, maybe? Do you think that people right now who are the scaredest of COVID, let's say that's you know, a small percentage of people who are still like, don't want to go out of my house. I know a couple of people like that, uh, family members, like not immediate family members, but extended family mm-hmm. who were still like totally, totally isolated. Do you think that those people were already prone to behave that way? And this was almost giving them excuse to do that? Probably. I mean, let's go back to that confirmation bias thing again. Maybe those people were kind of looking for a I told you so thing. And like they probably already deal with some anxiety. Yes. This was an excuse to sort of put it onto something. Possibly. But then do I, those people know right now that the bulk of the people who are being hospitalized with COVID are vaccinated? Because that's, as of this week, that's true. I don't know. I just think about some of the most like die hard, stay in, save lives uh, people in my circle. And those people are no longer feeling that way. And I believe that they are emboldened by the vaccine. I think that they are still very much pro-mask, but they're also not stay in your house locked down. This virus needs to control us anymore. So I see at least a, I see a shift in the right direction. I don't know. Could be wrong. I just wonder what's being reported nationally. I mean, we, we have our finger on the pulse pretty good here mm-hmm. about what the overall narrative is. And I haven't seen much this week that showed that that the mainstream media was saying, hey, numbers are headed in the right direction, kind of where we started this whole segment. I haven't really seen that happening, even though it's true. No, but you know they're they're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. But I haven't, and I could be wrong, but I haven't necessarily seen them heading in the wrong direction or reporting, heavy reporting on the scare factor like they were for so long. And that might be part of my perception that the narrative is shifting, that... I mean, news outlets have been covering this, one, because we had to for a long time, but for a lot of these networks, they were doing it because it was what was getting Trump. It was getting ratings. It was it had like a a sex appeal, like it was selling. It was Mm -hmm. because they're selling a product. I don't think that they're seeing the same return on investment. I think fatigue has finally kicked in and some of those people that were really buying what they were selling aren't as interested anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. Which I also think, though, positive, right? that they want to spin things po- more positive now with Biden in office. Oh, absolutely. Because that that changed immediately. You're right. I mean, we're talking January, and the whole thing was, well, now we got our savior here, and the vaccines are going to work, and that's and then, why. That, they're that's, like, oh, crap, it's this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Here we are. What are we, <laughs> 10 months in? They're exactly. like, oh, no. Exactly. Uh, Trisha, thank you so much for being here. We got Roy Wells coming in here uh at the end of this hour so stick around we're going to talk about historical precedent for some of the things that we're seeing in the world right now this is wiggins america 97.1 fm talk wiggins america thank you so much for being here hopefully you are awake and if you're not hopefully we can help you with that by stimulating your brain and i say we because it's not just me in studio i have a guest here named roy wells he joined us a couple weeks ago thought that went great said, let's have Roy back. Roy said, fine, as long as you buy me lunch. Yes. And so that's the plan. Um, but it's one of those things. So let me introduce Roy Wells again. If you, if you didn't catch him a couple weeks ago, Roy is a businessman, has his hands in all kinds of stuff. Uh, we worked in entertainment for a while together. 
And now, you know, he's a legal expert. He's a historian of sorts. You know, I mean, you kind of are a jack of all trades. So you're a fun guy to talk to. And we talk about this stuff all the time. Yep. And a news item that's been kind of, it's there. Josh Hawley talked about it a little bit on uh, the congressional floor, but it hasn't gotten a lot more attention than that, I hesitate to say, and I almost wish it would have, um, is that Merrick Garland report, the, he's the head of the DOJ, he's the attorney general, he came out a few weeks ago and said that he is going to consider, and the DOJ is going to consider, people who speak up at at school board meetings about critical race theory to be domestic terrorists. That is so ridiculously extreme in word, A, it'll never happen. Like, that that will not happen because the pushback has been severe enough, and it's so ridiculous, but it's an intimidation tactic. The whole point of it is shut up. Yeah. The whole point of it is not we're actually going to come out to Montula, Minnesota, and, you know, drag you away in cuffs because you spoke at a school board meeting. The point of it is to shut you up so that they don't have to. So... That mission probably achieved. I mean, this this kind of chilling effect happens without you actually doing anything when you just come out and say, we're going to hunt you down. Yeah. And that's frightening. And that's kind of a, a bigger issue that, you know, we could talk about at some point. Would you rather have it that open or would you rather have the IRS secretly going after conservatives and not telling anybody? Yeah. You know, which one is worse? I don't really know. I kind of like seeing it in the open. But then once it's in the open, you're like, oh, that's how far we've gotten that you can just say that with no repercussions? Yeah. Okay. But, Roy, I, I'm, I'm glad you came this morning just because, you know, one of those topics that we talk about when we're just having lunch and whatever is history and where we're at on the timeline of basically authoritarianism because it's getting worse. Right. And you study um, different aspects of history. I think you've been reading up on Germany right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we went live, you said something that I think is is worthy of saying again, which is anytime you talk about Hitler, everybody goes, oh, great, here we go. Everything's Hitler. Yeah. And that's not the case at all. Explain. Well, I mean, for obvious reasons, you you say Hitler or Nazi, especially for those of us who weren't alive when that time period happened, our mind goes right to Holocaust and the horrors and the 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 terrible extremes of that and to compare anybody to that yeah is ridiculous but what what we miss in that is there's a lot of lessons to be learned in the 20 years that led up to the terrible period of concentration camps and extermination of of uh, of Jewish people it was it was not an overnight thing. And so what people fail to do, I think, a lot in, in looking at history is is find the lessons of what led up to that terrible event. Hmm. You know, it's it's oh the bomb or the the Holocaust or it everybody goes right to the extreme, which is kind of the end result of everything that led up to that. And there were a lot of things that had to happen to make it possible for him to do those terrible things. So you're talking about the period between World War One and World War Two, basically. Yes. That that 
this guy, Adolf Hitler, was rising to power. And he's not alone. I think that's what's neat to study. That's a weird word to use, neat. But he, it happens the same way every time. Yes. Where it's always first, if you're in the sort of minority within a society, you say, well, we don't necessarily want to control anything. We just want to exist. Just let us exist. Yeah. Then it becomes, well, now that we exist, now we want tolerance. Like accept our ideas we don't necessarily want to control everything we just want you to acknowledge that we're there and that we're equal yes and then once we've achieved equal then it's we're better you're the oppressor we're going to come down on you for being bad because we're good you've been in control this whole time look how bad everything is right then we come down down on you that that cycle repeats itself over and over and over because that's how totalitarian minds work. Right. And it's it's not a new thing. I mean, we're talking about the history of the human race that's happened. Right. And and along the way, there are all of these um, people who play a role sort of, not unwillingly, but unknowingly. Um, you know, at, at the at the core of it, you have this crazy guy who even as a as a young man envisioned himself you know, being in charge of everything. Um, but he was very adept at at manipulating people. Um, he didn't come out and, and say terrible things. He, he initially said, well, let's follow the Constitution. Uh, you know, of the German was, Germany was a, bun- a mixture of a bunch of different states. And he told everybody, well, let's do this legally. We'll build a new party and we'll you know, will make Germany better and all of these things. And, and a lot of back better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And a lot of people go along with it because they're, they're well-intentioned or, you know, I think we don't have any excuses today to not see these things coming. Um, in 19, the 1930s, you know, they're just coming out of a war and, and, and everybody's, you know, wanting, uh, peace and and re- to recover and rebuild, so they're not looking for some of the those earmarks, some of those consistent, like you mentioned, reoccurring mm-hmm. things that happen when when someone is is making a move. And, they just they needed their necessities taken care of, right? Yeah, and a lot of that was being taken care of. And and again, that's another hallmark, which is makes it confusing, and not everybody has time to you know study history. But the but the only people who do are the ones who want to take advantage of situations, and they look at what worked before and they do it again, and we all go along with it because we haven't seen it, mm-hmm. we haven't seen it before. We don't really pay attention to it when it's happening, and that's that happens every single time. And it seems to me like it's it's throw spaghetti at the wall and see what see what works too. Because if we can't scare you with this, then we'll keep working with something. We'll keep trying to find something that'll allow you to give us power, right? Right. And I think that's where people have drawn comparisons with all this COVID power grab stuff is to say, well, at the beginning, it wasn't let's shut every let's let's keep everything closed for two years. It was let's keep everything closed for fifteen days. And you're right. We're not comparing that to the Holocaust. Nobody, right. nobody is. Right. 
but you're looking along the timeline and going, things happen for a reason. Things happen here so that they can look like this in a few years, and then they can look like this in 10 years, and they can look like this in 15. And Well, that that that's exactly right when you were talking about the the school boards and the people showing up at a school board is their domestic terrorists or mm-hmm. all a lot of that started back when the term hate speech started picking up steam it's a great point and you know a lot of people would say well yeah it's bad to hate people and there are certain words that are hurtful and so i'm okay with outlawing those words but that was laying the groundwork for not just controlling your thoughts and intimate intimidation, but it was setting up hate speech. Be now it's it's legitimately considered a crime, and if it's a crime, then we can go to the next step and say, "Here's what we here's our recourse if somebody says something we don't like." But that that had to happen. That had to start with convincing people that there are certain words that are violence or that are dangerous. Yeah. And and so so if you look at that entire progression, they've set themselves up now where they they think they have legal grounds to to do this kind of stuff because of all of these steps they took to get here. There we go. See, that's why at the beginning of the segment I said you're a legal expert because I knew it's come up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> We've worked in so many different industries. I got to I got a broad brush paint everything that you've done. So, that's good. And you're right. It's it's equating speech with vi- actual violence. Right. You know, whenever you say, "Well, that hurts me" or "You you've caused me to blank," you know, like, "Oh, words cause people to commit suicide." Well, that's true in some cases. But when you start saying all words are so, like, if these kinds of words are so violent that they kill people, that's not actually what's happening. Right. You're saying words that are hurtful that cause somebody to take an action. The words themselves didn't do that. But if you can grab those words and say, look what these have done Mm -hmm. and make them unacceptable or at least unappealing and then start to attach legal consequences to them. Yeah, that's a step in that direction. And and here's where they're so smart is that I say that and I go, I don't even agree with saying things that would cause somebody to go harm themselves. Right. Like nobody does. Right. But they use that and they use that to expand it into, well, you also can't say this then because that could cause somebody to harm themselves. And you also can't then say this because that could cause somebody to have uh, depression. It just expands, expands, expands to the point where, oh, my gosh, there's a whole lot of words that have been 1984 out of our lexicon now. Yeah. And here we are. Before we run out of time, Roy, and thank you for joining us this morning, um, I'm not going to ask you where America is on this timeline because we could look at so many different facets of our society and say, well, in this area, we're here. In this area, we're here. So it's hard to kind of pinpoint. I think everybody kind of gets that we're moving in that direction. So mm-hmm. that's that's the point of talking about it. But my question for you is, and I don't know if you know the answer to this or you just have a, an opinion about it. Have you ever seen a society move down that road and then come back? Or does it always end poorly? Gosh, 
Yeah, I I can't think of a scenario where it didn't end badly. I mean, yes, there was recovery, but it it had to to break kind of boil down over first. Yeah, and that's oddly enough. I don't want to get out too far off on another thing here, but that that's always sort of been the mentality of of radical people is there they give it there's an a utopia at the end but nobody talks about that or how do we what happens when we get there it's all about the fight it's all about destroy overwhelm break it and and so you've got one side whose purpose is to break and destroy and the other side like with the the hate speech thing the the right goes on the radio or or television or whatever and they talk about oh they're trying to control our thoughts well no they're they're trying to set up a future opportunity for them to break something control something manipulate something and there's the 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 way i don't know if there's a way to avoid it but I think part of it has to go back to, um, in my mind, the the people mm-hmm. um, participating and getting in. Or I'm going to go. I'm going to run for office and I'm going to fix it from the inside. Well, that's not going to work because things are too entrenched. But there are more of us than there are of them. And by the the school board thing, don't get intimidated. Just keep showing up, keep participating um, at, at the state level, at the local level, and maybe we can turn the tide. We'll never get rid of the the other side, but, you know, it, it can't be up to a person. Oh, if we just elect Trump yeah. or we just elect whoever, um, they're going to save us. It's That only leads to conflict. Yeah, good stuff, good yeah. wisdom. Roy, appreciate your time this morning. As I always say, too, you know, pray. Uh, that That's <laughs> all battles are spiritual in nature, in my opinion. And therefore, the kind of thing you're talking about results from people having a backbone. Yeah. And to stand up against these things, you got to be strong. you got to be rooted, in my opinion, in something that's not temporal. Yes. Because if you're rooted in, in what's now... You see this happen in the Republican Party. There's a lot of Republicans who, yeah, I believe in those ideals, but they won't really do anything about it because they're afraid of what will happen to them personally. Well, if you're not rooted in the now, if you're rooted in eternity, mm-hmm. you're not as afraid of those things. Yeah. All battles, all battles are spiritual in nature. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 